Hey everyone, this is Dr. Travis Stork, and this is what I will call my unexpected launch of the Doctor's Podcast with myself as your host, and the planned launch was honestly supposed to be March 25th, and I'm excited for that. That is a great interview with Dr. Phil, but I felt with all of the madness out there right now with COVID-19 that it would be appropriate to share my thoughts with everyone and At this point, that's mainly what I have to offer are my thoughts because so much is changing. I haven't made a lot of statements up until now because the data just hasn't been there. Uh, Quite frankly, there was a lot of misinformation and uh, it really upsets me in many ways because I feel like the wool was pulled over many people's eyes and to some extent still is. And if you read the news, you don't know whether or not to be incredibly panicked or not panicked at all. And again, so much is changing. So I could sit here right now and in the last 24 hours, the World Health Organization has called this a pandemic. In the last 24 hours, we have seen uh, a massive crashing of the financial markets across the world. People are scared. People are on edge. And I always said when I started this podcast, I wanted it to involve everything from society, pop culture to sports. And it all comes back to your health in many ways, because if you think about it right now, there's nothing that is not affected by what's going on with this novel coronavirus. I mean, the NCAA tournament, NBA, NHL, everyone's just essentially canceled. The day-to-day life that we were involved in has changed, and yet we don't know Have these measures gone too far? Have they not gone far enough? And so I want to just kind of break down where we're at. Still too many unknowns. And the reason I have a problem with that is as of a just a week ago, there was a a push, I'll call it a push, to make it seem like this was no big deal. It's anyone who has it needs a test, has a test. And that was coming from our government. The CDC, these people that we are supposed to trust. But the reality was ERs across the country did not have access to the test. And it's really hard because as a physician, I knew people were potentially walking around our communities positive for the coronavirus, but we just didn't know because there were no tests. So how can you know if coronavirus is in your country if you don't have any tests? And that was, it was such bullshit because we were all led to believe, at least those not in healthcare, that the tests were being done. And everyone was saying, oh, there's no coronavirus isn't here. And then the headlines would read, there is one person with coronavirus. Oh my gosh. Whereas in reality, there were probably many people throughout America with coronavirus. We just didn't know it because again, the tests were not available. That is changing. Uh, however, there are still many places where the test is not available Um, I want to break that down a little bit because the misinformation is this, and we're in this bizarre catch-22. The catch-22 is this. If we all take measures, and I'm I'm glad that that the powers that be have made very big decisions like (laughs) suspending the NBA season, big events, Coachella, down the line, South by Southwest, all of these huge events are canceled and people are clearly disappointed. I'm disappointed, but here's the deal. If we do these things, these huge public measures, and then we engage in personal measures that can decrease the spread of the virus, 
like not touching our face, washing our hands regularly, having as much social distance as possible. And that means changing the way you socialize. I don't think now is the time to be going out and partying with massive groups of friends. And the reason I call it a catch-22 is if we engage in these measures of minimizing transmission of this incredibly contagious virus, it may not end up being that big of a deal in the U.S. We just don't know. And yes, there is also hope that as temperatures get warmer, it may not be as transmissible or it may not be as robust. So the catch-22 is if we do all these things, people may look back in a month or two months or three months and say, what was the big deal? Well, the big deal is if we do the right thing, we can make it not that big of a deal. And I want everyone to think about that a little bit because so many people, particularly young, healthy individuals and even individuals, I'll consider myself a, a, a middle-aged man having just turned 48, but most people who get this virus seem to have relatively mild symptoms and do recover from it. And a lot of people are thinking, well, should I just not get this virus and then I'm done with it? And the reason that is flawed thinking is even if you're healthy, even if you get this virus and you're completely fine, if you pass it to a loved one and let's just say you pass it to your spouse or your kid and then they pass it to your mother or grandmother or father or grandfather, or you go visit your grandfather and your grandfather has pre-existing lung disease, your grandfather might die. And the data is very limited right now, but we know that the vulnerable populations out there, older people, people with comorbidities, they're the ones who are suffering. And if there's an onslaught on our emergency departments and hospitals in this country, we do not have the capacity to handle it. Let me explain something really quickly about our healthcare system. Our healthcare system has slowly but surely put profits above all else. And, and that's, of course, part of the reality of capitalism. And, and I'm not going to argue with that. There, there's a lot of good that can come with the incredible robust healthcare system we have in terms of our ability to take care of things that nowhere else in the world can take care of. If you're really sick during a normal time in our society, and let's just say you need brain surgery, I want that done in America. But when it comes to something like this, which is a pandemic, we do not have surge capacity in this country. If you walk into many ERs right now in this country, or I'll say three weeks before coronavirus was even a known entity, you're oftentimes going to see two, three, five, six hour waits in the ER. So our hospitals are not built to deal with these surge capacities because our hospitals are not designed as much for, quite frankly, public health as they are for profit. So it's not like we have these special wings waiting and ready. We, it's not like we have a special surge capacity in our intensive care units. It's not as though we have thought about having enough respirators if, God forbid, this does get worse, if we do not change our behaviors. And so I just urge anyone listening to this to not just think about yourself, but think about your loved ones. Think about your grandparents and your kids and take measures because what viruses do, they're interesting little creatures. They are dependent upon infecting our cells they use our cells machinery to replicate and to create proteins that cause damage. In the case of coronavirus, this is a respiratory virus. And this particular COVID-19 seems particularly virulent. So it gets in there and it can invade your respiratory cells. 
And in some people, it is causing severe lung issues. And people are developing acute respiratory distress syndrome and pneumonias. In some cases, this is leading to multiple system organ failure and ultimately death. Now, some some viruses, some upper respiratory viruses, even some viruses in the same coronavirus family, you know, they might give you a little bit of congestion, runny nose, no big deal. This COVID-19 virus may give some people just some relatively minor symptoms. But when these viruses infect your cells and they begin replicating, they are dependent upon you as a host to survive and then move on. And so I want you to think of us all as potential vectors. And what that means is even if I get the virus and have very mild symptoms and I feel relatively fine, if I feel fine and I'm going out in the community and high-fiving everyone and hanging out and drinking beers and chilling out at the barbecue with all of my friends, I'm still a vector. I'm still contagious. And I'm because I feel better, I'm more likely to be out doing these things. And there are a lot of people right now in America who have this and don't know they have it. And... That's why this virus has the potential to be a game changer. Not saying it will become a game changer, but it has the potential to become a game changer. Think of all of us as potential vectors. And if I pass it to someone, they may pass it to someone else who may pass it to someone else who may pass it to someone else who ends up dying. So think of it that way. And that's why I would just urge everyone to take the proper precautions right now. Look, if you need to... I, I still want people to to support local businesses and support our economy. And I don't I don't think that we need to go overboard here. But if we all just take simple personal measures, this could go away much sooner and we can carry on business as usual. A couple of things. I'd like to believe that we're always told the truth in this country, but that does not happen. But if you wanna if you wanna know whether or not this virus has the potential to be a big deal. All you have to do right now is look at Italy and then also just look at the stock market. (laughs) There there are probably more analysts in the stock market than any other (laughs) field of work. And the stock market has been tanking precipitously. That's because people now know this is a clear and present danger if we don't take action. Um, I wish I had more answers. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you the latest statistics because by the time you're listening to this, they will likely have changed. And my hope is the sooner, right now, if you look at the curve of rates of infection, it is is climbing. It is really, really climbing and it's climbing fast. We need to flatten that curve. That's why I urge everyone listening to, again, take proper measures, engage in social distancing, lay low for a while if you can. If you can work from home, do so. Um, I, I feel so much sympathy and empathy for anyone out there right now affected by this for both health reasons or for your livelihoods. And that's what makes this so hard is that this is this is affecting everyone everywhere, whether it be their livelihoods. Uh, schools are getting closed down and, and parents are having to figure out ways to make sure their kids are taken care of. So everyone out there, just be safe. And I'm, I'm thinking of you, but just remember, the more we all take simple measures right now, and maybe even sacrifices, shutting down schools for a couple of weeks if need be, um, even avoiding certain workplaces and public gatherings for a short period of time, we may be able to nip this in the bud and get that curve that is now exponentially growing to flatten out much like it already has done 
in China who, as we know, engage in very severe um, quarantine-like measures. Again, I don't have any answers here. And yet I've, I've talked to many of my colleagues and, and we've, I've obviously been reading quite a bit. And we know there are a lot more cases that are going to be found that are currently active. The question is how many and how badly is this going to, um, or how bad is this going to get? But what I will say, and, and I'm going to put a disclaimer at the end because we don't really know, but some early evidence out of China, and, and I, this is a clinical working group from UCSF, when they were starting to look at the adult clinical evaluations, um, you know, they're, they're seeing in a lot of these individuals a, a cough. And in some cases, uh, associated with shortness of breath and fever. So fever, cough, and shortness of breath seem to be some telltale signs. Um, you can still have your typical, what I call cold-like symptoms, you know, the sore throats, the runny noses, but that seems a little less likely here. Um, in this clinical evaluation guideline I'm looking at right now, they were seeing that in fewer than 15% of patients. They were seeing GI symptoms in fewer than 10% of patients. Really, it was, you know, hospitalized cases had at some point in time a fever, uh, but on admission, 50% of these people were without fever. Cough was seen in 60 to 80% and shortness of breath in 20 to 40%. And again, these guidelines were, were last updated over a week ago. So I, time will tell how this all changes, but you could have the coronavirus and think you just have a cold. The symptoms could very well mimic influenza. Um, my last comment, because people say, well, isn't this just the same as influenza? It's not, and, and it's for a couple of reasons. This is a novel virus, so our immune systems have no idea what's going on when we get infected with it. There also is no vaccine for it. Um, if we're going to say that the influenza rate of mortality is 0.1%, and the mortality rate for this right now, we just don't know. Um, it's some people are saying one percent, some people are saying two percent. Just the data isn't out there because a lot of people who've had this virus and have it currently, we just don't know. <laughs> the uh, the number of cases that are reported are simply the number of people who have actually been tested and have had a positive test result. Um, so clinically, this may not look that different than the flu or a cold. And so how do you know the difference? Well, in many cases without a test, you don't know. And whether or not to go get a test, that is up to you. Um, if you think there's a chance you have it and you're otherwise well, self-quarantining yourself is the best thing you can do. I will say this is actually probably one of the greatest opportunities for the use of telemedicine. If you're not certain where to turn, you can always call your doctor's office. You can uh, use telemedicine interface. I just would urge people, if you're feeling relatively fine and you're just curious if you have it, going to the emergency department may not be the best call because that's where people need to go if they have potentially uh, life-threatening complications or they're having true issues. And I've mentioned things like shortness of breath and fever and cough. You know, some people are having a precipitous decline. It's happening I, precipitously. It's happening really quickly. Um, I'll leave you all with this thought. No one knows where we go from here, but I do know I feel very differently about this in the last 24 hours. By the time you listen to this, 
things might be quite different. I may sound like a complete idiot. I may sound like a, a great prognosticate, prognosticator, even though I'm not prognosticating anything, if that's even a word. But what I will say, when it comes to our health and when it comes to society, we hold so much power in our own hands. This virus, it's not a foreign virus. They're, the, the viruses don't care. <laughs> they don't care what nationality you are. They don't care the color of your skin. Uh, they do care if you're older. They do care if you have comorbid illnesses. They do attack our most vulnerable. And so I will just leave you with this thought. And it's something that we always say in medicine, which is do no harm. And when I go see a patient, I've always thought my first, the first responsibility I have is not to do any harm to them. And part of that doing no harm is not infecting them with something that I might have. And I just would urge everyone out there to think in those terms. Um, we are all potential vectors. Let's work together as a big, massive family in this country and beyond. This is really a world problem right now. And let's hope that, you know, a month from now when this podcast is up and formally running, we can look back and say, whew, we truly dodged a bullet and this country really came together. So everyone be safe out there. Thank you for listening to this, my first ever podcast. I'm, I'm learning as I go here and I, um, I want this to feel like it's, it's us together on this journey to good health. And I certainly did not expect for my inaugural podcast to be about something that has caused quite frankly, such panic. We don't need to panic. We need to worry, but let's not be panicky, fearful. Let's just educate ourselves. Thanks again for tuning in. This is Dr. Travis Stork. If you enjoyed this or you're intrigued, I'd love for you to go on this journey with me. And I'm really excited to be sharing this podcast with all of you. I will keep you abreast of things as they change with this pandemic. Um, and hopefully sooner we'll have better news than worse news. I am signing off the first ever podcast. Hit subscribe, and I look forward to going on this journey with you to a longer, happier, and hopefully healthier life. Peace. The Doctor's Podcast with Travis Stork is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.